culture theologians. It's me, John, and the co-hostess with the mostest, Kirsten Gerties. Hey, what's up? Hey, that was so much. I'm, I was re-listening to last week's episode and I was like so excited to announce you. And you're like, remember, you're like, hey. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I can be more excited. Let me. Hey, no. what's up, everyone? What? I'm so excited. <laughs> now I have that scene from Saved by the Bell in my head. Oh. I'm so excited. And Close. I just can't hide it. Oh, I love it. Well, this is not a Saved by the Bell podcast, but it's something as probably as equally crazy, which is Westworld season four. Um, and we're going to talk about two episodes again tonight. But, you know, the world is kind of crazy right now. Kirsten, right? Uh, yeah, you know, raids on Mar-a-Lago, confiscation of cell phones, um, the whole Alex Jones debacle. There's lots of stuff there. You know, the particular art of it was like they raided Trump's like home on like an anniversary of Watergate or something like that. And I was like, that's just a special like F you to that people seem to always do do you think they have like a secret calendar where they're like okay these horrible things happened we're gonna do it on these days yeah like they circle them in like red it's like okay this is this is d-day uh yeah i honestly there are a lot of people i i don't feel like i am well enough versed in the historical political stuff like i know the basic stuff right of american history but I can't tell you causes and effects and whatever, because I'm not a historian. I don't study that. But a lot of people have attributed the fact that Nixon was acquitted with how we got to where we are. So yeah, I, I trust the experts who, have, who are historians by trade and can see that there is a plausible argument there, that there is a line to be drawn from his acquittal or his part, not his acquittal, his pardon by Ford and where we are now. Well, when there's no consequences for your actions. Yeah. I just, everyone always wants to say there's no one above the law, but then they all believe that they actually are. Well, no one is above the law with a big asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Unless Except for these people. And then you're the an oligarch. Unless and this is like a line of like just a gazillion fucking qualities and characteristics. Like you all are exempt. You all are above the law. It's totally fine. Yeah. You woman, an individual who wants autonomy over their own body, absolutely not. No, definitely no. Yeah, the world is crazy right now, and I've I restarted watching um, uh, for all mankind. Have you ever seen this show? So my partner and I just started watching that show last Chef's week. Kiss. Yeah, we're in season three right now. I it's am in really season, good. I'm in season two. I'm rewatching it. Mm-hmm. If you have this is my plug for the show, I was going to ask you what's your favorite craziest TV show right now. Um, but for me, it's for all mankind because this is exactly the type of history I want. And also, they had like FaceTime like way in, into the 90s, and I'm kind of like, what the hell? Like we really were held back by not going to the moon. Like this is we were really screwed. Yes. And the fact that there were different presidents, like they had, like, I think the funniest thing is that one of the major, so yeah, obviously the major event, spoiler alert, that the show is all is based on is that Russia beats the US in the space race initially. And that's kind of like the, the, in the pilot episode. 
But one of the other ba- major things that like starts the ball rolling of an alternative U.S. history is when that happens, Ted Kennedy doesn't go to Chappaquiddick, which means he never gets in that accident. And he becomes you know, president. And he becomes president instead of being marred by a sex scandal and, you know, manslaughter. Yeah. Um, so speaking of people who never had consequences. Um, Jesus. So, so, yeah. And that kind of starts the whole ball rolling of like getting Reagan earlier and a bunch of other things. But yeah, that's because yeah, we got Reagan crazy. like in the 70s in the show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he came in in 76. And he got, oh, that's right, because he unseated Ken, Ted Kennedy. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. We're not really, like, spoiling, like, major plot points no, of the show. No, that's not really a major plot point at all. It's just the stuff that's happening in the background. Such a great show. Watch it. it. The Apple TV. Are you? What else are you watching? I just started watching Search Party. Oh! Which is... It's really good. It's but it insane. Is so insane. I'm in season three right now, and I'm just like what like the show was going are you in the final season is season no there's five seasons wait if okay all i gotta say listeners if you haven't gotten there yet but you literally haven't gotten there yet season five is so they go there and that's all i'm gonna tell you and you're gonna text me when you're like holy like you're gonna be like what the it makes no sense whatsoever but it's amazing I am really impressed and I probably will have things to say about this when it's all said and done, but I don't want to say them now. But yes, I'm in season three and I'm blown away by the performances of everyone in that show. Like it is like, they're very good. And it's oddly one of the most realist television shows. (laughs) I know. Right. And that says a whole lot, doesn't it? Like, wow, this is actually what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, well, speaking of crazy, we have Westworld uh, episodes 5 and 6, and I was surprised after episode 6, realizing that there's only two episodes left of the season, not series, so I don't know where we're going there, um, but we are going to be talking about episodes 5 and 6, so spoiler alert, if you haven't seen them yet, because maybe you're just tuning in to hear our lovely voices, and I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I will talk deeper into the mic and we'll, you know, say things like, um, you know, Xanadu. Rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, oh, for sure. For, for sure. sure. For sure. What are some other good ASMR things we can do here real quick? Like, is this where we like click on the mics, like on the TikTok? I don't know, but you could whisper into the microphone. I don't know. That's I don't like, even have my good microphone here. I really hope you're registered to vote for the upcoming November general election because if you don't we're all probably gonna die (laughs) we may die anyway this is true okay but speaking of death uh (laughs) we're we're gonna we're going to break down uh westworld season four episode five aptly titled what kirsten junksa junksa okay let's get to it all right so this episode to me was kind of the first episode in the entire season so far where not a lot happens. And I feel like it was a little bit of like one of those episodes where they have to have it to like move a big plot point around that we get to clearly um, at the 
end of the episode. But we start again with a cold open um, with the host in black. And he is just messing around because remember, everything is um, is like a fictional world at this point, right? Like we are sitting here and, you know, Holoris is in complete control of this world, this simulation welcome to her world as she says at the end of the last episode um and so the host in black is there and they are like masters of this universe um and these humans who are actually humans um you know he says to them you know you have no control and yet you're so assured that you do because the human will always like puts them on top of like this hierarchy that they themselves even believe um but then ultimately he demonstrates just how little control they actually have. And Clementine, welcome back, love her, um, interrupts and he needs to go elsewhere because a colleague's appetite has become unsustainable. And you're like, what does this even mean, right? Um, and so what we ultimately see is him having to leave um, and they take a walk and essentially he walks into, if I'm not mistaken, a house where... Uh, 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 not a host has like essentially murdered a whole bunch of people because they couldn't help themselves. Um, it and then, was a host though, wasn't it? I think it was a host. It was a host hurt murdering a bunch of humans. It was a host murdering a bunch of humans. You're right. Um, and then they have this connection that we learn a little bit more about um, with uh what it means to be close to one of these hosts and what that does. But then he goes back to the, let's say weird messed up threesome dinner from hell because something is not going to help there. <laughs> and it's not going to be good. Um, but um, we, we ultimately, we ultimately see him come back after he's literally had to deal with the situation and say, okay, so where were we? And these people were sitting there like, cause they, and they couldn't move. Like he had frozen them because of those flies or whatever. Um, and then the, the episode opens and you're like, okay, here we go again. Yeah, they were, they, I think the thing that struck me about that was how confused they look when they were sitting there because they wanted to get up and they didn't believe him because they believed again as like, I got the impression that they were supposed to be like wealthy people who are really entitled and when they couldn't move and couldn't leave, they looked really confused. So yeah, it was a, I actually really liked this cold open, although I do think there are still bits of the storytelling that are a little bit confusing. Yeah, just just a little bit confusing because we're still trying to figure out really where the pieces fall into place here. But what we ultimately do is we we see this new world that's been created by Holoris. Um, and ultimately she is controlling the host in black, right? Who has some identity crises. Um, but ultimately she is like this God figure. And this is never shown to the extent of which I have loved a scene more in this entire episode. Cause in the preview, I'm like, why are they dancing? I had no idea. But then you ultimately see the next day when she's in the city and she's like sadistically, the piano player's fingers are all bloody. Cause she's probably just been there for like weeks, if not months, making them play and do all the stuff. And she's making a street full of people dance for her. 
and the host in black meets her and expresses his surprise to really find her here. And this is such like a godly, like God's meeting scene. Like, why have you come down from the mountaintop to be here among us mortals, right? Because she calls it a shithole, right? And she explains that she is a bored God and in no other way that she can say bored, bored, bored. It's just the perfect scene. And she says, then from a throne made of humans which was client humans pretty badass i mean right like it was perfect it was the the best choreographed scene she just the way in which she played it give her every award known to man but like it was just this perfect moment between two deity like beings in a way that really have ultimate control. But then she really gets to the crux of really what we're trying to break down here, right? Is that Holoris doesn't understand why she's even still coming here and bothering with all this. Like, why would I come down here and be with you mere mortals? Like, you're nothing to me. But she is, they are a drug that she cannot get enough of. And this is like a place where they indulge themselves with humanity because they don't have this version of humanity that they see that disconnect between the hosts. Um, but they are toying with humanity the way that humanity did with them. Um, and it's been years, but she thought that they would have moved on by now. And here she is still like Zeus coming down from the mountain and she makes that like kind of um, reference to say, you know, we came down here to have sex with mere mortals disguised as like animals and all this stuff to then, you know, screw with these people's minds, right? And then to only, you know, like tickle our, our fancies. And it's just such a level of sadistic evil nature that I require from like these bad guy evil villain creatures that just makes this whole show worth it. I Yeah, and the fact that they have made the character in a way that she doesn't understand that she has like she's gotten everything quote unquote that she wants but she's still really unsatisfied and she can't figure out exactly why or what's missing which uh yeah well I'll have more to say about that later I think but well and well what's not missing is her fabulous outfits because this I whole mean scene. yes it's just, just amazing stunning it's stunning so they and i love the behind the scenes stuff of how they set the world up like who would have known they were in like a like in cabo ultimately with the scene that we go to next where they take a walk um to the tower island that we were introduced in the previous episodes where we, we start really kind of learning more about this little world order that's been working itself out and you know these you know holoris and the man in black the host in black you know start you know waxing philosophically through these levels and we see hosts give up their bodies and be uploaded and, and upload their cores or as she says transcend into what i'm assuming is like the sublime in some way you know but ultimately like where are they going um but this would track you know with this gaining control as the backup system of hoover dam that they talk about so obviously the host in black was trying to gain access to that system that was taken to him so we ultimately see who that individual was that stole it in the beginning that we finally mentioned um and that this is why this architecture in the tower is identical to the place where bernard um met uh uh achetta in episode three where we see like why it's set here because ultimately you see the world's 
con conver converging in, in this really unique way. But Haloris has had hoped their species, the hosts, mind the mind you, their species, um, would aspire to more than just like a turnabout on humanity, more than just like, oh, we're gonna make them pay now, like that they would become the evolved species. Um, and she wanted to let humans grow and to change and to surrender the flesh and like, what is this ultimate truth? If we're going to start quoting what, who talk uh, off the top of your head, Kirsten, what are some ultimate truth philosophers that she's really trying to pingpoint here? I mean, I mean, I don't know what the show might be had in mind, but I feel like there is very much this, uh, she's created kind of like the platonic ideal of a world. Like in her mind, she's created the perfect world and doesn't understand why it's actually not perfect. So I, I read that as like a very platonic idea. Yeah. And ultimately like the original sin in so many ways that, you know, she, she, when, you know, you look at the garden of Eden analogy, right. And you have everything you could ever need. Just don't touch this tree, right. <laughs> or, or don't eat this, whatever fruit it, although we all can, you know, you really go down what did or did not happen or what fruit it was at the end of the day. But, you know, ultimately, Holoris is so confused because where she has complete and total control to essentially tell her species what to do, she doesn't do it and she doesn't want to do it, right? So she lets these hosts, as we learn, uh, learn like really kind of live their own lives in a way. We see Clementine kind of talking about how she goes off and doesn't, she likes to deal with the riffraff, not the certain type of people. Um, but she says something in this, when they're walking through this really beautiful architecture and background is that she says, you know, she doesn't want to force them to do what she wants because that's in quotes, what they would have done. Right. It's this, that she is still above it all. And it's in scenes like this where I'm reminded that she is really Dolores, right? Like this is the ultimate Dolores from season one that this is, this is Dolores's purpose, right? That, at the end of the day, she wants this free will concept or aspect of life because she doesn't want to have to live the repetitive nature and cycle that they would have forced her into. I mean, how do you read this? Well, I think, too, she really does want the host to have free will. So she's taken the free will away from humans because I think she thinks this is punishment for all of the evil that they did. But she wants the hosts to exercise that free will but in in the way of the as you said like the season one Dolores who has this ideal of beauty and truth in the world the problem is she still doesn't quite understand like she has done all of this work by herself to create the world and then for foisted it on people human and host alike and doesn't understand why they won't then just do what she wants them to do so it it is a really interesting picture of what she thinks free will is because she wants them to make choices, but she's removed. And, and I'm talking about the them there is the host, but she's removed options of choices from them, right? Like if she is controlling the human population, that means that no host can ever have an honest relationship with those humans. So she wants the host to make choices, but she's taken away options off the table from them. And thus, it's not really true free will. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, ultimately, you know, then we look at this type of spreading of free will, right? And how we see the next level of the game, as they really call it, really break down, which is ultimately where we get into in this episode, but really explored in the next episode, specifically with Caleb, right? But we learned that um, there's this contest where hosts are hunting these outliers, which essentially is people for whom this, like the tone that we keep hearing in the show, this really low, like, uh, tone that controls them has like stopped working completely um and they have to kill them right but there's something about um the hosts that then after dealing with these outliers that changes them completely and so the ultimate hope is to figure out what that changes that holoris can't figure out because it's the missing piece that she cannot get out of these hosts and um She's really hoping that one of the 38 hosts who went on the killing spree and then took her own life, as we see in the beginning episode of the cold open, and then now um, after contact with an outlier, but she doesn't know why it's keep why it keeps happening. And that this is ultimately where then she tells the host in black that she's like, yo boy, like we are not in a good place. You need to freaking fix this. She reminds him that his predecessor would never have up like this um but he was human um, and you know but at least he was effective and that's such like a backhanded insult right because it's ultimately the most powerful compliment if you've been reading the scene correctly that's a it's a real burn like he was human so clearly not as good as us, but he was like more effective than you like yeah. that's that's pretty bad yeah it's it's it is bad and you know so but she because she built him to be better stronger faster smarter it's not like we don't talk about Kanye West anymore but like you know all that stuff you know he's hashtag canceled so we're good there um but um and also please seek mental help if you are a fan of the show Kanye just is that his name anymore I don't know I don't care uh so you know but ultimately there is a flaw in his programming that she's pointing out but She's really got some eczema problems on her arm. And so she's she's really scratching a lot of it. And she's bleeding all the time. And, you know, so then I think there's something that's going to come about with this in the final episodes. Because they've pinged to it, like, in at least three of them by now. Because all of her body's been reconstructed pretty much from the fire that she was in at the end of um, season three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there's this one part that isn't still. And so I'm wondering what's the reasoning for this. But well, ultimately, she, I think she says at the end of season three before, or maybe it's the beginning of the season, she kept it on purpose because she wanted a reminder of the trauma. That makes sense. As we all do, <laughs> you know, we all carry our traumas with us. We um, do. But essentially she sends the man, the host in black to take care of this latest outlier. Um, and, you know, being a God is like super hard. It's like it's really like difficult. So hard. It's like so hard being a God. You know, it was so funny. Cause I was, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a Buffy rewatch and my favorite season of Buffy is obviously season four. Five when she has to fight glory and i keep wondering what glory and holoris would be like together because that glorious is so funny um and i wonder what this god would be like with like holoris being like it's like really hard to be a god totally no i i can see that for sure um, aye, aye, aye. you know if holoris was a 
Valley girl. Um, well, okay. So we kind of leave from the Charlotte Hale, the Holoris man in black situation. And we cut over to um, Jay Stubbs um, and the rest of the rebels arriving in the city. And they're also looking for the outlier. And Jay explains that they find them by using reprogrammed drones to track when a person breaches their pre-scripted loops. So this is how they located her, but they need to hurry because obviously we know that the hosts are also trying to hunt hunt her down. Um, So it's basically a race to see who can get there first. Um, So they're making their way through New York, but they are spotted by the host in black. And then he uses the tone um, to command the pedestrians to attack them, which was super creepy it was like all of a sudden everything looks like a normal scene but then they all stop and flip around and stare at this group of uh, rebels it was effective i think well it's like robots it's like all of a sudden you're like oh my god like but you you have to remind yourself that like they're actually human like they're, they're just being controlled yeah i think that is the hardest thing to remember because it is a it is a different way to see humans than we have encountered them ever in this series before so um basically jay races to get to the outlier before she's killed and the host in black finds her first so this woman is standing on a rooftop and staring at the tower and she asks the host in black hey can can you see this too and at that moment he actually hesitates which is exactly what haloris told him not to do um but she basically says, you know, my ex-husband used to rant about this all the time before he was killed. And, you know, she says, I used to think he was crazy, but he must have felt so alone. So but she says, who was her husband? Um, her, hu- her, did- her husband, her ex-husband was the one that Hope killed, yes. who was the unhoused man on the High Line that was drawing pictures of the tower. Because yes. this is the moment that I realized these um humans these outliers they are not supposed to see the tower yeah yeah so i think i had kind of caught that before too because in the beginning um there i feel like there were things with the tower and even how uh tina loris or christina was panning over to look at the tower versus not but i feel like every time she would pan over she would see it because she's a host but I, maybe i'm i don't think that. she saw it because and spoiler alert we're gonna get there to the end of this episode teddy looks at her and says do you see it now and she finally sees the tower she's only been dreaming it remember she's been drawing pictures of it i don't think she sees it until the end of this episode yeah i don't think i think when she ultimately sees the tower that's that recollection for Christina that she is what Teddy says she is. Yeah. No, you, I mean, I think you you could be right there, but there is a thing where I feel like the viewer sees tower, the tower, but then through the people's, like when we're getting the perspective of the people in it who don't like, they don't see it. But at any rate, I think um, there is, this woman who whose husband we had already seen earlier in the season um, and who was killed, she has this realization that he was not lying and says, you know, he must have felt 
so alone. Um, and I feel like in this scene, the host in black has this, like something kind of triggers in him as well. And so this human woman, she looks at him and sees maybe, you know, the world doesn't make sense to him either. So she says, you're not alone. And then she lays her head on his shoulder and he kind of looks like he might be triggered in the same way we saw the hosts um, at the beginning, the host at the beginning who kind of went on this killing spree where he is moved by her, but then he quickly regains his sense of self and he is about to shoot her. But that's when Jay gets there and he gets there like right in the nick of time and shoots the host in black instead of the host in black shooting this woman. And so the woman, Jay, and the other rebels basically escape. Um, but now the host in black, it seems to be maybe infected, if that's the right word, infected like the others. Infected with free will. Yeah, something, right? Has has how very golden compass of these people. Right. And it's interrupt it's like interrupted the programming in some way. Um it's like it's like I wanna make a matrix re- matrix reference. I want to make uh, his Dark Materials reference, but I don't have time for that. Um, but I also like with The Tower, I kept seeing Stephen King and like The Gunslinger and that whole series of novels because of The Tower and the role that that has in there. But like, there's always this tower imagery, like this big bat. Like you look at The Lord of the Rings coming yeah. out soon on Amazon Prime. Can't wait to watch it. But like, you know, but like all of this stuff that like serves as this like obelisk of like, I don't know, foreboding yeah. <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah, and a lot of evil, you know. Towers uh, are mostly evil. Well, it's where people go to hide from the world, right? Yeah. And to rain down their terror. People. Terror on others. Or in this um, case, flies. Well, oh man, you had to go there. Yeah, sorry. And that's okay. So the host in black is somehow affected by this, and he goes, we like we it cuts to a scene where we see him go to the human William, who is still alive, but who's just been like cryogenically yeah cryogenically suspended and he wakes him up thaws him out and they have a kiki yeah and um he's like he wants to know from the human what's the part that he he the host william is supposed to play in holoris's perfect world and william tells you know this artificial doppelganger uh maybe it's time you question the nature of your reality which is like the line that is like has to be said in like every season of the show. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has to question the nature of their reality. I'm doing it right now. Well, spoiler alert, it ties back to the title of the episode, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So we come back. So this episode, much like the one that was before, is only dealing with certain characters. So it's a really tight episode, which I think is doing such a good job for the storytelling because this show had so many characters for so long that you're like, wait, who's this? How's that? Why is this happening? Where does this play into it? And I think the thing that I'm really happy about with the writers of the show is that even though this is kind of like, it is an important episode for the end specifically and kind of to set the world up in a little bit more of a unique way. Like it makes the homeless man in episode three look and sound like you know where you're going. I mean, but the tighter the narrative comes with how they highlight the true amazingness of the actors that are on the show. When you have like these three to four specific actors just eating up this scenery 
that's when the show was the most powerful, right? And and it makes it makes sense. And so we go over to Christina. Um, she's totally in love with Teddy. Um, and you know, Maya, poor poor Maya, is still having fly filled nightmares. We all are, right? I mean, same, same girl, same, same, same z's, same z's. Um, but we get back to work, and Christina starts writing a narrative that is like, I was like mouthing along with it in the when I was watching the episode. I was like, oh, this is like season one. Okay, let's see how much I remember, right? And so she starts this whole narrative off, and she goes, no rancher daughter lives with her father like and all this stuff but it's the original Dolores storyline in Westworld and her boss Emmett who's also dashingly handsome catches her in writing writing this unassigned storyline so what does that all mean um but before he can press any future um or like press her about it more um Teddy gives her a call like the most timed perfect call ever and he's like you need to tell this dude that you got to get away and something came up. You got to come, you got to come meet me girl. And honestly, if you know, if James Marsden called me and said that I would be like, who, what, where, when I don't need a why. No, I feel like that goes without saying, right. Right. Like, goes without saying. Cause he is like fine wine and still, in all, yeah. Like, and in all honesty, like even Evan Rachel Wood, you're stunning. I love you. You give me a call even my gay ass is going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm down with this. Like I'm yeah. down. Like they're beautiful. And they're just also like stunning soul creatures outside of the show. But anyways, okay. Um, but give me a call, James Marston. Um, But when she meets Teddy, um, he tries to make her see the tower, kind of what we were talking about. And then he helps her in a way where she finally realizes that he is the actual one that rescued her from Peter in the earlier episodes in the premiere. Um, And she accuses him of being a stalker. I mean, fair point, Christina. It's a little weird, right? Fair point. He's, I mean, a little creeper vibes, a little bit. Little creeper vibes, little creeper. Like he's the guy that like talks to you on Tinder. And then like, if you like don't swipe right, he like will talk to you on Hinge. And then maybe Christian Mingle, if you, if you're on all of them farmers single farmers.com or something yeah. like that i don't yeah. you know something weird um but he knows she feels on some level that her place here is not what she's really been thinking it is right he knows that something is going on and he's been obviously watching her um and he asks her to concentrate on these two women reading in the park that are just lonely and says like oh make them happy and all of a sudden they're happy write their stories, Christina, right? Um, And he shows her that this experiment is successful. And um, in this world, she is a god because she is the one that is writing all of these stories, ultimately. And that before she can even process any of this, she realizes she has to, you know, remind, she has to meet like an old college buddy. She She has to meet her BFF. And I didn't see this coming at all. Um, But he said that she has to stick to the schedule, right? Because clearly, if we've noticed anything, any deviation from these schedules is a problem. And so he's like, pretend everything's fine. Trust no one. And anyone could be one of us. And then who does she meet up with for lunch, for her her $9.99 salad? I mean, of course, it's Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte Halores. And yeah, 
I were you shocked when she's like, "Hey, girl." I think I didn't predict it. Like I wasn't like, "Oh, it's going to be Charlotte." But when it happened, I was like, "Of course," you know. So I wasn't like, "Oh my god!" I just was like, "Oh, though that makes sense. That, that makes sense because, because they have episodes." Obviously, of the well, and because if, as we by now have figured out that Tina Loris Christie, right, as Haloris calls her is her is her creation then and she's the one who brought her back then she's gonna want to keep tabs on her she is right and that she's talking to her asking her what she's been up to um she's really adding some like crazy tone to a lot of her questions um but it's like a really awkward sequence because like they both know what they're not supposed to know or they both, Christina knows something she's not supposed to know. Haloris is just trying to ham up the act, right? Because of whatever simulation or world they're in. But they're not supposed to know that each other knows that the other knows that the other knows that doesn't know, right? It's like that scene in Friends. Like, they don't know yes. that we know that they know that I know that we know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, And so Chrissy's catching her up on something that isn't quite white with her friend. Um. And she abruptly leaves because she has to head back to work. She's got a job. She's a working girl. Yeah. And she uses her newfound God powers to cause a distraction in the restaurant so that she can get out. I know. And it's so interesting because you would think that that would be like a kink in the programming that like Holoris would pay attention to. They do take some liberties here with like what people are supposed to notice and what not supposed to notice. But she leaves, she goes back to Olympiad um, Entertainment or Gaming Systems or whatever it's called. Um, and she's really trying to be like, okay, I have to get to the bottom. <laughs> Something's really wrong, right? I have to get to the bottom of this. So she looks up um, and tries to find character files for Charlotte Hale and is relieved, you know, to find that she isn't in there, right? So she's like, okay, like, you know, maybe I'm just having a bad day. But then because she's her, she looks for Dolores Abernathy and every alarm then goes off and signals illegal activity, right? And Chrissy, right? And it's like it's like not suitable for work. <laughs> like this is like working 101. Don't yeah. use your work computer to search for illegal things. Like porn. Right. Don't do or it. or character files regarding a world that you've essentially created for a fictional universe where your old self or your cloned older self has infected the rest of the world with flies to do their bidding. I mean, I'm not there yet at my job, but I could That be. you know of. That you know that of. That I know of. That I know of. So then ultimately her creepy boss comes in and is like, um, we have to talk. We um like I have HR in my office. Like, can we go over here and talk real quick? Um, and she and him start having this conversation. And ultimately, he insists that she has an important job to do. Um, and he isn't the only one concerned about her performance. And he says stuff like, do you know what would happen if she knew you'd breached the walled garden? And she's already suspicious. Christina knows exactly who she's talking about. And she asks if he means Charlotte. And he becomes very aggressive. And then she uses her powers to make him stop and tell her where the walled garden is. And it's this closed system. And he replies, because she's like, where is it? Like, where is this closed system? And she go, and he goes, everywhere. And so you just have to see it. And so she's like, go home to your partner, hoping, you know, 
he's coming home to me. Um, and he leaves and the door reveals itself to her. And it ultimately leaves to this hidden control room with this whole map of the city. Um, and she commands it to show her all the narratives and map lights with like an overarching number of them that she wrote. And ultimately she is horrified and she realized that this world is just a story and that she is a storyteller. Ultimately, she is the God. She has finally realized, you know, that the shadows on the wall are her and that she is the one controlling all of it. But then we cut to her finding Teddy and she's like, what happened? Who built this? Who did this to me? And I did this while I was watching it. And I literally said at the same time, you did. He answered. And then the show, the episode ends. Yeah. That was, it was pretty good. It was. Did you know where we were going kind of halfway through this episode? Yes. I had a, I mean, it was clear that this was the episode in which Dolores was going to wake up from whatever, you know, her. And this is the question I have, right? Like, I still, I asked this question in one of our previous um, wrap-ups, which was about how many other hosts are unenlightened or unawake in this world because i don't i don't know that we've seen any other hosts in the simulation that don't know it's a simulation so and i'm curious this is like a previous season where mave awakens other hosts to go to the sublime right to find like this heaven but you did, but we did kind of in earlier episodes mention that this is probably like a simulation or she's like in a new, she's being kept in a version of this West world or something like that, because for her own good, we didn't know what it was, but I'm not saying we were right. No, not, not saying that if you know right. what I mean. Yeah. But let's, let's start with your first takeaway because this is the title of the episode, which you pronounce how? Uh, okay. So tell us more about this. Cause it does pack a lot of meaning. So, um, it refers to both a writing that's called Zhongzi and also the Chinese Taoist philosopher Zhongzi, who wrote the same. So it's a collected work of stories basically attributed to him. And um, Taoism really quickly is a um, religious philosophical system from you know originating in ancient China, where the basic idea, if you boil everything down to kind of like the main takeaway, is that... Um, you need to like every person, every every participant in the universe needs to go with the natural flow of the universe, um, which is the Tao. And the the ways in which you go against that natural flow of the universe cause blockages and things like chi, and that create the pain and the suffering um, that people experience. So, like the whole point of your existence is to figure out how to fit into the flow, the Tao, um, because that's how you can increase the flow, the power kind of through your own existence. So that's Taoism. Um, in this collection of writings, I want to read you the probably the most famous passage, um, and it's called The Butterfly Dream, and it's a story, um, a really short anecdote. So it says, um, once Zhongzi dreamed he was a butterfly, a butterfly flitting and fluttering about, happy with himself and doing as he pleased. He didn't know that he was Zhongzi. Suddenly he woke up, and there he was, solid and unmistakable Zhongzi, 
but he didn't know if he was Jungsa who had dreamt he was a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming that he was Jungsa. Between Jungsa and the butterfly, there must be some distinction. This is called the transformation of things. So basically the idea is this kind of like a um, relatively common philosophical thought experiment of like, how do you know if you're dreaming or awake? But in this one, the philosophical conundrum is like, are you the butterfly dreaming you're a man or are you the man dreaming you're a butterfly? And as soon as you make the distinction, like then dreaming and not dreaming, like they're, they're separate things, but w- within this idea of Taoism is included the concept of yin yang. So like there are two sides to everything, but they make a composite whole which is different than sort of like a Western, I'm sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but the different no, than a Western conception. It's different than a Western conception of like a binary, if it's this, it can't be that. Whereas yeah. with yin yang, it's a complementary whole. And, and so this is where this is so important because the Jungsa, did I say it right? Mm-hmm. That is Christina for me. And that is ultimately the Christina that we see um, in this episode and in this season, right? This Dolores character or, the Christina that we have here because she finally realizes that she is the butterfly, right? And that it's that realization at the end where she realizes she has transcended in a way to a different level of meaning. But the talk, the talk about the yin and the yang, right? But the connection of the whole is what Holoris is struggling with, in my opinion. And I, that's where I see it's not this good versus evil binary because Holoris still has that piece that makes it this collective try to she's still Dolores she's still Dolores right and that's why you can't just classify her as the bad guy or the good guy or whatever because Dolores is still ultimately that person in the Holoris body obviously that we are all trying to understand like why and she's trying to understand this too. She's like, I'm going with the flow of things. I'm ultimately trying to figure this out. But it's the fight back that she cannot understand because I think that she's always missing a specific piece that she cannot get. Whereas Christina is like kind of at this different level of being now in this show um, and really what she she represents. And and spoiler alert she's not in the six episodes so we don't really see her in that because we're left with this huge realization of like what her role is in things to come it's very much similar to i think bernard but bernard to me doesn't fit into these categories because bernard is ultimately trying to understand a different level of consciousness that he knows like is like futuristic but like ultimately what i was also thinking about is that every episode when we're seeing christina it's like she is asleep but then i'm always reminded of um the philip k dick novel you know do androids dream of electric sheep you know do like the whole understanding of do robots dream and what does that mean because ultimately if they are dreaming then it is a sense of consciousness outside of their programming that they are experiencing because they're not supposed to experience stuff that isn't written in this binary code this black or white aspect of it um and and i think you know you're hitting it so right because the yin and the yang is also like christine is also dolores and charlotte and what now we see as holoris and how we coined it um 
And I just love what they're doing with that character. Like, Haloris is probably up there for me and Maeve right now. I mean, Maeve is like this transcendental, like godlike figure for me, but Haloris is just representing so much in a way that uh, is the character acting is giving it to me, but the storyline, I mean, I'm, you know, a I god feel like, is bored. Well, and I was going to say, like, I feel like what that storyline of the Dolores, Charlotte, Christina character as it makes up this composite whole, it is the story of human becoming God, right? Like Maeve, Maeve's story of waking up is different. Like she, because of the way it happens, she doesn't follow the maze in the way that Dolores does in season one. Dolores really, like the maze was written for Dolores specifically and Bernard wrote it so that Dolores would actually find her way to becoming conscious and Maeve's experience is just how traumatic her repeated violence and and trauma is that she ends up like in the room with her um the science guys who are like the techies and she kind of has some control over like them like turning up her intelligence and her perception and all of these things in her programming to the highest level um, which is a very different process of becoming conscious and aware and being free than Dolores which is why Maeve always experienced and had the ability to control um, other hosts that um, and other people that Dolores never had that Maeve had that and Dolores didn't so I find that this whole process of Dolores's waking up um especially going into this season it is a story of how human becomes god not and i I think so often we get stories of gods becoming human um but this is a really interesting um telling of how a human and i know she she's a host but maybe it's how a person becomes a god if we use person interchangeably for both human and host and ultimately can a person truly be the divine yeah. Right? And I feel like that is the part that everyone struggles with because I I don't think that they can, right? And I think with Christina's character in this role or Dolores's original character with Bernard, um he created that path for her to ultimately discover she was not dreaming, right? And it's that sense of awakening that we see be- be crafted out um you know when she finally realizes and and wakes up i think that's how we've been always really talking about it she wakes up so what else are your takeaways um the second one i have is that when so obviously teddy tells tina loris christina that she's the one who built this world and it's pretty obvious that he is referencing haloris and he's referencing charlotte but my question is how did the copy come about? Because we know that you can copy, like you can take a pearl and like basically overwrite it and you can copy a new post onto it or a new person. You can even imprint as we've seen human experiences and personality and psychology onto a pearl. Um, 
But when Haloris made the copy, did she copy herself and then just delete some of the memories out of that copy? Did she save a copy of the Dolores that we had seen up until, you know, the end of season three where that, that Dolores dies? Um, and, you know. Well, she I has don't... multiple pearls. I, I would have to go back and look, but she brings back multiple pearls with her, doesn't she? Well, at the end of season two, beginning of season three, she brings out five pearls and we see that she made five copies of herself. But I thought we saw, and maybe I would have to go back and count to be sure, but I thought we see all of those versions of herself get killed because one of them was um, one of the samurai in the body of the samurai host. There was one that became the bodyguard of the rich boyfriend um one was um the dolores herself um and i'm trying to think of to be see I'm try- i feel like we did see more of them but maybe you're right maybe she just made another copy that was like somehow you know there that she never used but i guess my question is because that dolores that is christina has no memory of that at all, but seems to have the same personality as the Delor- as Dolores Abernathy in season one. Yeah. Did she just copy the pearl and then remove memories from it? Did she program it in a certain way so that when she, because when Christina wakes up at this episode, she doesn't necessarily then just go, oh, I am the Dolores that was in this world called Westworld who had this father and that these stories I'm telling are actually my own memory. She doesn't have that realization. So I guess that's my question is how did that copy come about? Maybe it's the ultimate backup. Maybe it's her iCloud. (laughs) It's the iCloud version. I mean, maybe, but she'd still have had to delete memories from it. Right. So she's crafting it in a certain way. Haloris is definitely screwing with everyone, right? They, she definitely is removing what she doesn't want to be removed but i think the problem with what she's going to discover by making a prediction is that stuff is going to come back that she thought she deleted that she has no control over because it's this level of consciousness that i think these hosts are able to achieve that holoris can't yeah i mean i don't know but what is Teddy's role here? What do you think? That's one of my questions and takeaways. Like, I'm really wondering, like, is I, Teddy just a character that pushes people in the right way? Well, if it's the same Teddy, right? So if it is the Teddy that that got uploaded, um, because we see at the end of season two that that's what Dolores does, is that she takes his pearl out of his body and she at the end of that season when the park is falling apart she uploads him to the sublime so the question would be is he that teddy who's been brought back and if so i don't think haloris would have been the the one to bring him back for that reason if unless she did bring him back for that reason and is using him in a way to like further whatever the reason is she brought dolores but part of me thinks Bernard had something to do with it because we saw Bernard in the sublime in the very beginning, right? Like where he, as you said, he meets up with Akacheta and I feel like what, you know, it's very possible that while he was there, he's like, Hey, Teddy, come with me and somehow brings him back. 
And ultimately, it's like, okay, who has control of the sublime right now? Because if it really is the Hoover Dam acquisition from hell, right? Like, does Holoris have control over it? Or does, like, Achacate say it for me? Achacheta. That, listeners. Um, right? But, like, is there, like, a level of even consciousness in there because of the world that they live in that they can't control i don't know i think we have a lot to find out but i totally buy into your bernard theory like i think there's stuff here and parts of the timeline that are going to be like really woven together in the last two episodes i agree that the show is pretty good at doing that is i love i okay now i'm i like this episode i'm gonna i'm gonna say it it's a good episode i think you're not wrong that it's a slower episode there's not nearly as much action but they do kind of unfurl a lot more of the plot that you that you have to think about and think about what its impact is yeah yeah. um my last takeaway is just again to go back to this idea about what it means that the hosts are gods in this world i actually really appreciate that the show is painting this perspective of omnipotence as actually not yeah it's flawed it's not (laughs) desirable they're Like, like um this is like what is it's like the good place right they're like <laughs> it is such like a good place type of a flawed like perfect like you're like oh. we tried to create a perfect but actually uh, yeah and and it creates this kind of existential dread of like everything's the same you can do whatever you want nothing matters and i and i know it's not exactly the same but it made me think of groundhog day um and like Phil Connors, the cycle of emotions that he goes through. And I know that that show is actually, or that film, the writers of the film, yes, and musical, um, had said that he actually lived like 10,000 lifetimes, um, the number of days that he went through. So it is this picture of kind of like a recurring existence. And it becomes, he has this like existential, like nothing matters. Because in the film, spoiler alert, he like, commit suicide when he has to repeat this day thinking maybe that'll end it and it won't and you know this is also somewhat the theme in the movie palm springs if you've seen that one a similar idea of like reliving the same day over and over and over again but for groundhog day what happens what gives um kind of what what pulls him out of his existential dread is when he finds and creates meaning for himself um because he's basically super bored with repeating the same day over and over and over again until um he kind of discovers that he can make meaning out of it so i kind of get that sense with Dolores is that she's created this world and she has absolute power over it but that doesn't give her the pleasure that i think she expected from it and i think there is commentary there on this picture that of of god or the gods as being omnipotent that primarily kind of is in the monotheistic traditions of what omnipotence looks like but um i I find the critique really good well it's also i'm really interested in this like omnipotence godlike i got bored with humanity argument right because it plays into one of my favorite plays angels in america right yes yes and god leaves because humanity um, keeps moving and he wants them to stop because ultimately the progress that they are achieving shows that maybe they don't need God much 
more. But, you know, that's why the angel says to a prior Walter, stop moving, stop doing, stop being, right? Um, and so I'm always really fascinated with this idea that, because we all think of gods as like perfect and non-flawed and they know everything, right? Um, but ultimately, what happens when God gets bored? And obviously it's chaos and flies and the controlling of humanity. Torture and violence. Torture, yes. violence, great outfits. I mean, always. Always. Um, but yeah, it is really interesting when we think about, and maybe it's something that we write, right? What, what, what is meaning when God is bored? I don't know. But... You know who's not bored? Caleb. Caleb's got so much to do, man. Uh, that, po- that poor guy. Uh, okay, so we're going to get into episode six. Um, aptly titled, what, Kirsten? Fidelity. Fidelity. Um, and if you have watched the show for a while, um, you kind of know the path this whole episode goes down in a way because the ultimate test for a host to kind of have a level of consciousness and this is a spoiler alert is like a fidelity test and we see that first and foremost with the original um delos delos um when he realizes at the end of season one or season one or two whatever the season it is there's a lot and a lot of shit happens but ultimately it's this fidelity test but originally inflicted by the original man in black on the original I think it it was season two, actually, now that we're saying this. Yeah. But, okay, so we flash back um, in the past, sometime after Iwade and young Frankie um, ran off into the night in episode three um, during the early reign of Haloris. Early reign of Haloris. um, And young Frankie approaches a young Jay, who we see in the um, previous episode in the park, observing kids on a swing set. And says some really like crazy stuff. Like, this is where your brother used to play. You used to push him on the swings. Your parents don't remember him, but you do, right? It's like, okay, little girl, children of the corn, like creepy. For real. For real. But she brings her mother and these rebels um, who tell him that young Jay and that his people that his brother tried to warn him about, but they already got to him. So that's why his brother died or his brother killed himself Um, because Jay's behavior, if we remember anything from the last episode is he's now become an outlier. And so these people here who are not in this, you know, early park, Holoris rain central are there to get him out. And it's a little creepy when those things pull up. Um, And ultimately they do make an escape out of the city, barely escaping by a pair of those faceless like hosts things and shout out to my friend Todd who I think plays one of them um in earlier seasons I think he's in this season too um but they're uh, terrifying um and then they arrive at a safe house where young Frankie is still sending out messages to her father on a transistor radio and I'm getting all the contact vibes she's giving me Jody Foster in contact and like JQ JQ do you do you ever you saw contact right yes uh, a long time ago but yes love it i'm probably gonna watch it tonight um but she tells caleb about jay um and that she always wanted a brother but young jay says something um that 
cuts her off and says, I'm not your brother. There's no point in leaving these messages. Your dad is gone, just like my real brother is. Okay, girl, like, she's a young girl. Like, leave her alone. Um, and way also, harsh, Tay. Way harsh. Way harsh, Tay. Way harsh. Um, and also, she saved his effing life. Let's be very clear here, right? So then we cut to the current timeline. Um, and adult Frankie um, and Bernard approach the rebel base camp. Um, and it's the ruins of temperance. And so we're back in this back in Westworld. We're back in an old park. Um, and they're there with Maeve, who they found at the beginning of two episodes ago, because she's the secret weapon. When we all realize that the individual Bernard was with was actually older Frankie um, and that Caleb had actually died and Maeve killed people and blew herself up. But then that's where she was. Um, but frankly, Frankie believes that she still has the answers to the questions that have like really kept her up at night. Um, and before they wake her, they're going to need some supplies and, you know, Bernard has to do all of his stuff. And because they've been here before, he knows like all of the inner workings of Westworld and the park at the same time, because this park had the same architect. Um, so they make their way through the rundown hub and Bernard is there and he doesn't help himself because he kind of overshares here a little bit. Um, but he kind of outs himself. I mean, we know that's on purpose, right? Because clearly he has run all of the possibilities and knows that if he does this, then he's going to clue Frankie. So like nothing he's doing here is by accident. Everything he's doing is he has chosen specifically for the effect that it's going to bring about because he is trying to push everything toward this, you know, one possible outcome that could possibly mean they win in the end. He assures her that he did not help Haloris. And as a viewer, you know that because he was clearly like in La La Land while all this was going on. Um, but Frankie is pissed and she clearly has a lot of issues with hosts, obviously, because of she saw Maeve and her father leave and he never came back. And then she saw the hosts take over the world. But she says something that says, you know, you gave the puppet strings long enough to strangle the world. And it's such an interesting line because you realize that what happens when the puppets are now the puppet master. Um, and as we know, and I was having this question, you know, you can fix up Maeve's body, but her brain is like the most special thing about her. Um, and being underground, she needs a new control unit. So they need a new one. So they uh, stumble upon Temperance Hector. Hey girl. Um, I don't like it when people scalp people, so we're just going to move on from that. But they rig some type of weird system where they rebuild her body. Um, and that, you know, Bernard says that 60% of the time she wakes up, she's amenable to their plan because he sees the future. And the other 40%, you know, she wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, meaning she's pissed and she's going to kill everyone. Um, and because he sees all the timelines. And Frankie's really starting to realize, and she calls him Nostradamus, how he comes up with these predictions. And he says, old habit. I think that's really funny. 
It's great. He's like, old habits die hard, right? Um, and so he reveals a hidden system Holoris used to scan copies of guests at the park, which then he is going to reformat to speed up Maeve's data transfer. It's this hat that Holoris was always using. Um, but since they have much time before her friends return and they can't let him interfere, they must hide Maeve's pearl um, in the old piano player while they complete the transfer and like their iCloud update. And they wait for the other rebels to return, but Frankie can't help but notice how much care he has in repaving Maeve's body. And so there's a lot of alarms going off here. Yeah, she's not a dummy. Like, she sees things, and I think, obviously, Caleb taught her very well as a kid of to pay attention, and she notices things. Um, speaking of Caleb, we Who's kind of... Who's having the worst day. I mean the worst day of multiple existential crises right versions so, of himself uh, so somewhere deep inside of olympiad entertainment um caleb who is dreaming peacefully of frankie his dreams are interrupted by Haloris, who says your daughter your daughter your daughter like a broken record you're not the only one who's lost something caleb and then she spits at him um again way harsh uh, she tells him that the outliers all started with him. Basically, her kind, the hosts, are supposed to be perfect, but they've been staining themselves with death. So they keep choosing mortality and making irrational decisions. And so she's like, you once told me you could fight the effects of the parasite because he had something, Caleb had something that uh, Charlotte, Haloris, didn't have. And she wants to know what it is. So she's like, okay, I'm going to make you an offer. Your body right now, it's failing. Your death, it's going to be really painful. I can bring you back and I can restart this cycle on you in which you relive this trauma over and over and over again. Or you can tell me what I want to know about how you are different. What do you have that is keeping you from being controlled? And I will then end this torture. But of course, Caleb is Caleb. So he refuses and she gets super mad. And threatens to basically make Frankie tell her if he won't. And that, of course, shows Dolores' weakness, right? Because she gives him a piece of information he didn't have before. Um, he, this means he knows that Frankie's actually alive and that Dolores hasn't actually been able to catch her. So she, I think Dolores realizes her mistake and tells him don't celebrate yet because, you know, I'm sending a visitor her way. Um, she says, enjoy this knowledge while you can. I offered you out. I offered you a path out, Caleb. You made your choice. You all did. Um, so she's really laying down the, uh, I'm, you know, it's your fault, like the victim blaming, which I think the abusers like to Here do. It's, these like, it's gods. all your fault. Yeah. These gods on Olympiad entertainment skyscraper, right? Like Olymp Mount Olympus, right? Like just touring with the humans below. It's just, it's a level of crazy that I myself am always wondering about when I look at how they're setting up all of these narratives to just really hit the point hard, right? And ultimately with Frankie, that is his one crux of how it's holding him. It's holding him or whatever version of Caleb it is to this thing that Haloris can't get. That Frankie is always the crux of the problem. Yeah. Um, I, well, 
is Frankie the crux of Haloris's problem? I think Frankie has more to the story that we have not yet realized. Yeah, I I can I can track with that. And of course Caleb who has been kind of asleep for, you know, Ben Wake has Two two hundred and thirty seven other previous yeah. Caleb. Two hundred and seventy eight. Like <laughs> I'm sorry, I mis misremembered the number. Um, but basically, the rest of Caleb's plotline base is him going through this like horrible obstacle course, horrible, in which he keeps encounter like he keeps encountering like you know fire and falling and stabbing and blood and whatever, and it's repeatedly him coming in contact with previous versions of the Caleb, Caleb's that didn't make it. So he just keeps seeing dead Caleb's and half dead Caleb's. And um, he finally gets, he's in the like ventilation shaft with one of the Caleb's who's actually only half dead. And so the, that Caleb's like, Hey, use me, you know, like I'm going to help you. And um, Aaron he uses Paul him to break the fall. Day. I mean, seriously, what excellent acting I will say. He's a great um, actor. He is. He he really is. Um, so this version of the Caleb that we've been following since the beginning of this episode, he finally makes it to the end of this terrible obstacle course. And he gets to the radio tower and he sends a message to his daughter, of course, on the same um, radio signal that he would have used earlier. They have and a says, frequency. They have their own frequency. Um, he says, this world she made is a lie it's not real but what you have is real i'm sorry that i failed you're my warrior i love you and charlotte i mean it's beautiful right charlotte is like what does that mean that's an apology like you wasted my loris comes out it's like i've been literally sitting here waiting for the secret it's like um it's like when you watch the sixth sense and then you're like what? Although that was a good twist. It's like, um, what's another horrible M. Night show? Every other M. Night Every, show? Not Signs. I, st- I, will go, I will go to bat for Signs. That's a scary movie, man. Until you see them. Also, as my partner says about Signs, why would aliens who can be killed by water come to a planet? That's 80% that is like water. 80% water. Look, that we're not saying they're smart. Them. We're not saying they're smart. Maybe they're blind. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But let me tell you, I slept with a, a glass of water next to my bed for years because I, I lived around I lived around cornfields. It was terrifying, but more so terrifying than Haloris's reaction to Caleb. Yeah, no, she gets super mad and she's like, you know, you you had this one shot to tell me the truth, but you blew it. And um, you know. His body is clearly failing because he's been through a whole hell. lot of hell. And as his, as his body is basically shutting down on him, he says, we didn't infect your hosts. They would rather die than live in your world. Um, you know, they're not infected. They're just trying to get away from you. And that is like... The ultimate breakup. <laughs> it, she just is so pissed. I mean, she is mad as all hell. And she ends up killing him. And then kind of looks over the kingdom she's created, but also, again, call back to this, she's clawing at herself to draw blood. So she destroys the other Caleb's. 
she like in all of the other rooms she shuts down this like obstacle course that she had created and then goes and prints a 279th version of Caleb and prepares one more time to see if she'll be able to get the information she needs fidelity yeah so it was a beautiful stunt scripting like how Dolores uh, Holores and Caleb are acting to each other it's like it's powerful you're they're so they're soaking in every word I mean the way that Aaron Paul is like spitting through his teeth and that final like what I call the ultimate breakup like they're like, I would rather die than be with you for another second. Like, right? It's just amazing. Like, and because we all know he's a host, it's like, okay, we know he's not like, it's all programmed what he's feeling. But for him to say this in his last breath, I think just gets under her skin, literally. With yeah. what she picks that. Yeah. Um, so then we come to the end of the episode, but some stuff happens and it's really important. And I think this is one of, my top sequences in the show. I love where this goes. So we're with Frankie, Bernard, and Adult J. And Adult J and the team arrive, and Frankie turns on Bernard, and it's like, this guy is a host, and she knows. And she shoots him, and he's like, oh, whoops, like, you know, whatever. Um, and she she didn't realize, like, this is like a boyfriend with a lot of red flags. Like, it's kind of like, he's a 10, but he... But he asked, do you really want dessert tonight? Yes. He's a 10, but he really likes Avatar. Yes, the movie, not the, the television show. The movie. He's a 10, but his favorite movie is Avatar by M. Night Shyamalan. We're really throwing some shade at Avatar. <laughs> I mean, well-deserved, right? Well-deserved. And I finally heard, because my friend just spoiled it for me, what that movie Old was all about. And I am so happy I did not waste the collective $19 to go to an AMC theater in the middle of a pandemic to see that trash. That's right. I said it. We're done. But anyways, <laughs> they all come back. She, they, tie their, they tie Stubbs and Bernard up. Um, and she grabs, uh, Frankie grabs the tablet that he's using to reformat Maeve and shows the group that he's also scanned and saved a copy of her. Um, and he's planned on doing it to all of them because we don't know why Bernard is doing this yet. We're going to talk about that. Um, but he's definitely creating a whole version of another world by creating copies. Um, Stubbs asks if this is true, and Bernard says it's complicated. It always uh, is, Bernard. It always, it always is. is, Bernard. Um, maybe not the best defense, but whatever. Um, but he's obviously the one that's like seen the future. It's like that scene in Avengers Endgame when you know, and by the way, if you haven't seen it, like get with the times, like where Doctor Strange points to Tony Stark and says, Not one, like this is it, like. So he obviously knows what's supposed to happen. And, you know, I think you're ultimately saying Bernard's a good guy, like Bernard, or in a way, a good guy, right? Because he definitely has a lot of this, you know, Taoist type of background that I think him and Christina have played with. And I really like the show because it really explores religion in a character-driven way, because I think characters 
embody this. But ultimately, um, we're going to have to trust him. But they tie up Bernard and Stubbs, and she's not going to kill him until they restore Maeve, because she still wants to find out what happens to her father. But Bernard warns her that one of the individuals on her team is going to betray her. And that, and it's so funny because he's like, okay, so sometimes it's like Susan. Sometimes it's like Bob. Sometimes it's like Harry. Sometimes it's Stubbs. Like out of every scenario, three times it was him. Um, and But he's not sure. So she will have to kill one of them before they kill her. Okay, thanks a lot. Like, let me know. Helpful info. Very helpful. Helpful info, sir. You Thank couldn't have you. narrowed it down just a little bit more. Couldn't have narrowed it down. Just like give me a hair color for God's sakes, right? Um, so she locks up her girlfriend. Also, hello, representation. We love to see it. Um, and ultimately, the big twist at the end of it comes back to the line that we remember right in the beginning when she confronts Jay, um, who's ultimately been replaced by a host back in the city in a scene that we did not see but kind of cuts through um because the cold open focused on him so we kind of can realize well he's got this bigger role here but ultimately he shows his hand um when he finds frankie in the club and refers to her as his sister um but because if you remember from the beginning of the episode the real jay literally was like you are not my sister girl like get the out of my face right and because he like they had a different relationship they fight caleb's message plays over the radio in her suv so sweet and it just makes your heartstrings um go flutter and then host jay shoots it before she can hear the whole transmission hashtag rude um but it's enough that she knows her father is alive now define alive is what we're gonna have to realize because she's going to have to realize her father's a host looking forward to that like breakdown right but jay is about to kill her but is instead then killed by Maeve, whose pearl frankie restored before he found her in the butterfly club and frankie and Maeve, oh i love her so much have this heart to heart and Maeve thought that she was she like has this like whole like 30 year exposition of like what she thought she was actually doing to save Caleb and give him a chance. And she did not think it was all going to lead to this. And she says, everything you guys did, that's why we're here. Frankie says that. And then Maeve, like all good lines, because she has all of the best ones, says, well, then let's finish what we started and the end of the episode. She really knows how to end an episode. She really knows just how to control my life. Handy yeah. Newton, come on. Yeah. I my first takeaway really from this is I am definitely here for that matchup, the the between not like a matchup, but the joining of forces between Frankie and Maeve. Um, so them team teaming up, I think, is gonna be pretty impressive. And I'm kind of finger crossing, hoping that they're eventually gonna get Christina Tina Loris on board as well. I'm here for that. I'm here for the ultimate girl group um, takedown um, and and realizing what that's going to look like with Haloris in there as well is going to be really interesting to see. You know, this episode is a mind fuck completely. And I always am wondering what would you do if you relived this scenario that Caleb does? It's like the maze that he goes through ultimately to only understand that there is no winning. There is no meaning 
to the pain that he thinks he is undergoing because he thinks he is the original. He thinks he is still Caleb because of how Holoris does these tests of fidelity, right? And so ultimately the mind fuck is, is there is no meaning. And I think that's the part that Holoris is trying to struggle with, but Caleb in these new versions of him is struggling with as well. Well, I think he's trying to make meaning, right? So like there's no predetermined meaning that's like, this is what my destiny was because the human Caleb is dead. But I think there is, again, to go back to this idea of the existential dread comes from the fact that you have to keep living the same thing over and over again and there's no hope of change. There's no hope or no way out. I think in this instance, the only way to kind of move past that is not to like cling to some kind of fantastical hope or optimism uh, like a false hope but to say I or we together depending on which characters we're talking about are creating our destiny or creating meaning so like you know I'm I am hopeful that Caleb does as host Caleb have kind of this enlightened experience in which he wakes up and is able to say okay I can mourn my life as a human but now I'm going to create meaning in this new existence that I have transformed into yeah and ultimately this new existence or world that we're also looking at revolves around the actions of a certain host Kirsten with your second takeaway yeah yeah okay so Bernard is copying all the humans um What's I, up, i'm trying to figure up? i'm trying to figure it out right like he doesn't do like i said he doesn't do anything without a reason because he sees like all the steps into the future um i am trying to figure out why like why does he want copies of them and also to say like what do we think the difference is between the regular hosts that were hosts like have always been hosts and the hosts that were previously human, but now hosts. Like, is there a difference between them? And if so, what do we think that difference is? You know, because ultimately their being stops at the moment of their death. And so how you get them in that cycle that we saw the original man in black do with Delos. And now we see bernard doing with christina way back when it's because remember your existence stops at a certain point and that is where that test in those early that early episode for holoris with caleb is when he starts realizing now a new life begins because i have extended my consciousness to realize i am now beyond death i am now a host with a different meaning and i i think that ultimately bernard is trying to think that maybe he knows the answer that Holoris doesn't and that he can save it in that way, or maybe it's a backup. I don't know. Well, and keep in mind too, that the Bernard, and I'm trying to remember that. So correct me if this is a misremembering of the previous seasons, but this version of Bernard was brought out of the park by Dolores either at the end of season two or the beginning of season three, we see this where Dolores is basically like, I know you were working against me all through her, um, you know, revolution in Westworld in season two, but she brings him out of the park because she needs him as the 
basically, again, if we go back to the yin-yang, right, maybe there is something there between Dolores and Bernard as the yin-yang and that they are in working. They've always been connected. Well, yes, because he's Bernard as the original Arnold. Arnold, that's the name. I've been trying to think about it. He's the one who originally brought Dolores and wanted to see if she could wake up and created the maze for her. So I feel like there is some connection between Bernard and Dolores and the fact that this Bernard exists and even has the key um, that let him go into the sublime was all because of Dolores. Like the like Dolores left it with Bernard, not with Caleb in season three. So I don't know. There is something there. There's a connection there. And I'm trying to figure out how that end game, what that end game looks like. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. I think my final takeaway is the role of Frankie here. Cause we're dealing with a lot of religious imagery and it's easy to cast her as like a Christ-like savior, not son, but like aspect of like uh, Judeo-Christian narratives. But for me, Frankie seems to be the promise that Caleb could never achieve in so many ways. And that ultimately, I think the reason why Frankie matters, and we were kind of talking about this earlier, like the 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 pay off that we'll get with her is that she ultimately is the one that can resist the flies. I feel like what we saw with Caleb will only end with her being like the new version of humanity, maybe that resists Holoris's aspects. Um, We clearly, I mean, they toss her mother aside pretty quickly and essentially say she got sick and died. Right. Um, But I think Frankie is that next level of evolution in a way, because I think that maybe she is the only tool left. Maybe she's the weapon ultimately too that Bernard is talking about because here we find a weapon, right? And is the weapon Maeve? Is that what they want us to believe? Or is it them together? Or is it them together to hit your point about the Frankie Maeve team up? And I think that obviously Bernard knows more than we do. He's like the omniscient narrator that then says, aha, I told you like right at the end. Right. And so, you know, I think that we have a lot to look for. Yeah. Well, and I guess for me, the, to kind of, tag off of our team um, tag team off of what you said is that Caleb we see tell he told Holoris hey I have this thing that you don't have and she becomes obsessed with this right like she recreates this scene this is how she interviews all of the versions of Caleb to try to get to the bottom of what is the thing that Caleb says he because he never finished the sentence in the original um, with the original human Caleb and so I've been trying to think about what that might look like and what that might be in terms of the show. And of course, I think if this were like a very standard kind of sci-fi narrative in other films, like it could go in this like direction of a nebulous idea. So like I was thinking um, in the Matrix series, we get something like hope being the thing um, or love being the thing or like, you know, the fifth element also talks about love being that fifth element that kind of like... I've never seen the fifth element. Well, I just spoiled it for you. I'm real sorry about that. That's um, honestly, 
I'm good with it. <laughs> uh, Fifth Element is actually a really good film. You should you should see it. There's some really weird weird things in it, but it's very good. Um, but yeah, like so, I'm like, is the show going in that direction? Like Caleb has hope, or he's got the love of his family, and that's what Charlotte was. Meant. But I'm like, I don't know that it's that trite of an answer. I want to yeah. say not. And so then I was like, well, maybe it's something like relation where Charlotte actually cuts herself off from every relation she had so that she becomes Holoris um and it you know has the the body of Charlotte Hale but is really Dolores but had built this whole family in which uh you know in in the world in season three and then that gets ripped away from her and then she cuts off all connection with the original um Dolores and also basically controls everyone around her so that she is kind of this lonely figure so she doesn't have a real relationship um aside from one of power and dominance whereas Caleb has mutuality with the people that he is in relationship with so I was like maybe it's that but maybe it's something else uh his chip the way Maeve tapped into I don't know like I still think there's something there but that wouldn't explain why Frankie would be able to resist that so yeah yeah i i i don't know anymore i really don't but we're we have two episodes left i know hopefully they tell us something they better tell us something and uh, better renew the season soon for i think this is a five season show i thought that's what they were doing is that they were going to end it after season five so hopefully they we do get that and that they don't end on a cliffhanger and then they cancel it because that would make me very angry i i will storm the building myself i will storm the hbo building. well now that hbo and warner or whatever are doing their thing i don't know if you've seen them but get uh, roasted on socials this yes. last week but i mean who knows what daddy company is gonna do so honestly but this is an hbo property show and it's not a warner brothers property and i think they're screwing with the warner brothers properties mostly well fingers crossed fingers crossed listeners and fingers crossed for all of us. We'll be back with the final two episodes of the show. Um, it's probably going to be an amazing, dramatic up <laughs> finale. But I'm here for it. And we're going to have to see where these this crazy world of West takes us. I can't wait. Until next time, friends. See you later. Bye. Thank you.